Good morning. I'll be reading this morning from the book of John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's give our musicians one more hand of thanks, uh, especially our, our newbies, Durham, uh, Scotty, and uh, Emma Kay. Thank you all so much. It was beautiful and very powerful. And we uh, continue on our uh, Disney series, and it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot uh, with you as we've been uh, looking for God in some of these stories. And Really, these Disney movies are just an extended parable. That's what fairy tales are. They're extended, complex parables. And, you know, over the ages, you learn a lot about a culture uh, when you study the stories that the culture holds up. There's one thread that I've, I've been noticing in all these Disney movies is that they all seem a little bit like prodigal son uh, parables to me. Um, somebody loses their way. They come to some realism. They come to their uh, 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 senses in the pigsty and come on back, and something wonderful happens. Uh, or maybe in those two, the warthog and what's the other? You got uh, Timur and who's the other one? Puba, Pumba or Puba? Uh, Pumba. Sorry, I'm not an expert on Disney movies, but uh, I, I have seen this one though. Um, you know, uh, they, they kind of might kind of remind me of the Good Samaritan, just trying to cheer him up, you know, away from home, homesick, I don't know. You know, it all, it's all this one big, delicate balance in The Lion King. Um, I have not seen the new Lion King yet. Uh, I did see the, the one that came out in 1994, but my daughter Susanna saw it this week. I asked her to go in, because I want the new animation stuff. Just go in, put a hood over your head, and just videotape it for me like that. No big deal. You won't get in trouble. No, I didn't ask her to do that. But let's, uh, let's look at the, the trailer here to uh, refresh us on what The Lion King's all about. Let's roll.
All right, man, I, th I might skip 11 o'clock and go to the matinee. Uh, oh, no, there we go. Okay, no, I better go to the 11 o'clock. They might get mad at me, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about this and uh, about seeing it. Love this story. This is my favorite Disney story, and it's just rich. Uh, there's all kind of ways you could go with this, but the one thing I want us to concentrate on is uh, there, are, there are two main deaths that happen. And you remember uh, everybody was talking and probably still talking about like how do children process these kind of uh, difficult, the, the death of Mufasa, the father, um, who sort of gets tricked, the son Simba gets tricked into being where he shouldn't be, and then the father dies. And that's the one people talk about um, because, you know, how do you deal with death and um, birth and death, especially with the kids who are going to see the movie. But there's another more subtle death, and it's a spiritual death of, of Simba. And uh, we both have to go through both of them, don't we? And uh, we, are, we, we know we have a, a born date. We know we have a death date. We know that life is what happens in the dash. And uh, we also know that there's almost a necessary death that we all have to go through, hopefully, that Jesus invites us to before we die. Now, Mary read in the gospel about these Greeks who really wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. And so they're looking around. They're from a Greek-speaking Bethsaida in the area. And uh, they want to see Jesus. And so they recognize Philip, maybe they recognize his accent. Philip is a Greek name. And so they somehow realize that Philip is with Jesus in some way. And they say, Philip, can we go see Jesus? Now, this isn't like some starstruck people trying to get backstage at a U2 concert, right? They're not looking, they're not thinking about celebrity. Every, all these words in the Gospel of John, they mean more than they really mean. In other words, these Greek disciples don't necessarily want to meet this celebrity Jesus. They want to understand Jesus. We want to see as in, oh, I see now. Help us to understand. And so they get Philip, Philip, then Andrew, then go together and tell Jesus there are some Greek speakers who want to see you, which opens up a whole lot of stuff about Jesus opening up his life to all the world to all who seek Him, or in John's Gospel, that God is drawing the world, all people, the cosmos, toward Him, the whole kingdom. We want to see Jesus. Now, Jesus is six days away from His death. Death is on His mind. 
Uh, just like it would be yours or mine if on Friday we knew we were going to die. So Jesus talks about unless a grain falls into the ground and dies, it, it, it will not bear any fruit. It must die. Um, he talks about those who, who love their life are going to lose it and those who hate their life in this world, they're the ones that will gain it. Now let me say a couple things about that. Those who hate life in this world. Jesus is not espouting to us hating our lives, right? He's contextualizing it in that. And if you don't, you know, those who finally get sick and tired of the temporal stuff, of what are we going to eat, and what are we going to wear, and what are we going to do, those people are the most people to be pitied. And those who start to get really tired of that kind of life are the ones that will gain a greater life. That's what Jesus is saying. I sure hope that the Greeks overheard that. I know that we get to, and hey, we're all Greek anyway, right? We're not uh, Jewish. Most of us are not Jewish. We're, we're Greek. We're the outsiders. We are the Gentiles. So John lets us overhear what life is really about. Do you want to see me? Asked Jesus. Do you want to understand? This is the life that I call you to live. This is the death that I call you to die. It's one and the same if you want to be my disciples. It matters. You must be a grain willing to be buried if you want to grow. You can't hoard your life or you will die. You can't reduce your life to survival. You need a higher allegiance in this world if you are to find your life. Jesus, our Savior and our leader, is one who finds by losing, who brings a great harvest through his death, and we join him on the way in the martyr movement. I'm not talking about the big M martyr. Most of us will not have to physically die for our faith. I'm talking about the little M. Because another word for martyr is witness. And I'm talking about the thousand little deaths that you and I are called by Jesus to die as we continue to get wiser and grow in our faith as we continue to grow up. We realize as we grow up that it's not about success or about winning. That's the great irony of it all. We too find by losing and we bear witness to the resurrection through our dying. If those Greeks joined up, um, then I hope they started thinking about what they needed to do. If they wanted to follow Jesus, what they needed to do in order to give up their self-centered lives it was shrinking their soul. Y'all, we are all dying to live. We're all dying to live. We're all a few deaths away from a different kind of life altogether. But the message of Jesus is not to try harder or to try to be a better person. It is to allow yourself to die in many, many ways in order to trust that God has got a better life than we could have ever imagined. You see, Simba finally sees this, or he understands. You remember the scene between him and that, well, is it a baboon? What kind of animal is Rafiki? Do you all know? What kind of animal is that in the kingdom? Something, you know, Rafiki comes up and pops him in the head. And, and, uh, and Simba is, is still dreading the past. He still feels very guilty. He's trapped in others' perception of him. And he's way out, and he's not where he needs to be. Rafiki said... Uh, and then he swung again. You remember, he swung at him again. And, 
And uh, Simba ducked and he said, see, don't dwell. All you have to do is learn from the past, but you don't need to dwell in it. He was calling Simba to die to his past. And then maybe as Simba was looking into the water, seeing his reflection and then the reflection of his father, maybe there he was dying to his own ego or to his own safety, knowing that he had a greater purpose in this life to be a king. To be a king. Maybe the Greeks, hopefully, they heard this word. They heard about a grain being put into the ground, or they saw a rich harvest, or they saw the world uh, being drawn to the cross, or they saw the light light their path. That is what God is asking us to do, to see, to see that there is a much greater life waiting for all of us. Maybe we can overhear this because we too, we too are a little bit like Simba. We're all a little homesick, longing to find our way home. Eleven years ago this summer, in fact, it would have been 11 years ago in early August, so not quite 11 years ago, I was invited to... uh, Well, hey, let me stop right there before I get into that. Paul, Paul jumps on this, right? He writes to the Romans... uh, do you not, yeah, put that up there. Romans 6, 3, Daniel. That slide that I got in front of me. See it? Ah, there it is. Paul says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore, we have been buried with Him, buried with Him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead, so we too might walk in the newness of life. That's Paul's, that's Paul's grain in the dirt. We're all that grain, that seed in the dirt, that, that once buried with Christ, our life is hidden with Christ like a seed that longs to bloom. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Almost 11 years ago. Now, now throw that picture up of the Compostela. Okay, about 11 years ago... Um, I went on a three-week hike in northern Spain. And it was about a 250-mile hike from Burgos to uh, El Camino de Santiago. The, uh, it, was, it was the community of St. James, uh, one of Jesus' followers right there. And, and so uh, I got there with my backpack, and I had the best hiking boots on, and I had everything imaginable in my backpack, right? And so you walk about 12 miles, and then you get to the next place, and then it's called a refugio, refugio, uh, a shelter, and you pay about five bucks, and you spend the night with all these people from all over the world, and then you go on your uh, solitude, walk of solitude again, until you get to the next place. So it took me about, it took me about uh, 24 days uh, to complete uh, this trip. And what I realized is that I brought way too much stuff. And what I noticed is is that everybody else brought way too much stuff. And by day or three or four, when my feet were, dogs were just barking, my knees were hurting, and my back was hurting, I noticed everybody was having a rummage sale right there on the trail. Do you need this? Do you need that? Because they had these these pumps, these primers. You know, if you just would trust that, you didn't need to even bring water. The next thing up, I did bring water just in case. But you prime the pump and you go. And you realize further on this journey that less is more. And it's about dying to the things that you think you need so that you make room in your backpack for what you really need. 
Sometimes in life we get stripped down to nothing but the love of Jesus. And I wouldn't wish that, well, I would wish that on everybody. I hate it when I have to go through times like that because most of the time it is, there are times of deep pain and sadness for me. But every time I've gone through that and realized that sometimes I got nothing but Jesus, what I realize on the other side is that Jesus is all I need. All this stuff, all this baggage, all this worrying about whether I succeed or fail or my own agenda goes by the wayside because wisdom becomes a dying to the things you really need so that you can be fully alive to what really keeps you alive. Jesus says, unless a grain is buried and dies, it will never, it will never bear fruit. One pastor said it like this, if your dying hasn't been good last week, neither has your living. If you've been dying, if you haven't been dying this past week, then you haven't been living. What is Jesus calling us, you, us, all of us, to die to, to let go of? I think Jesus is calling us to die to the self, dying to the self. It's a sort of selfishness that we get taught and get ingrained in us by our culture. Living for me, life is preoccupied by me, my agenda, my calendar, my money, my time, my success, my failures, what other people are thinking about me, my brand. That's kind of a cute new thing, right? The brand. But you see, I'm at the center of that universe, and really, I'm not the center of the universe. And once I realize that and let go of all that ego stuff, then I'm ready. Someone once said that a bad day for the ego is a good day for the soul. And that's what so many of us need. They call it infantile paralysis. Things which make us childish. I know Jesus talked about a childlike faith, but I think a lot of us, misunder- it's real easy to misunderstand that to a, into a childish faith, and there is a difference. A childlike faith of awe and wonder that it helps me to lose my life and let it be hidden in Christ. Claire Dobbs is a wonderful friend of mine. She's the pastor at Gulfport United Methodist Church. And I was on a conference call with Claire uh, just a day or two ago. And she said, I got to make a confession. I've had to change my life in a lot of ways. Claire's one of the most, has as much integrity as any clergy I've ever met. She said, I kind of lost my way about who's important in my life. What convicted me was that, she said, I was more disciplined in my physical health than in my spiritual health. I had to let go of the idea that physical health was going to save me. It won't. It's nice, but only if it helps me to love love and serve others more. Otherwise, it's vanity. So she admitted to us that she lost this sort of daily sense of dying. So now she says, and I want to share this with you because I want you to ask me and hold me to this. The first five minutes of my day, I'm meditating and praying to God. I'm not turning on the TV to see who I need to get mad at. I'm not surfing the web and just going... I'm not doing anything but allowing myself to sit in the presence of God. She said, you know, 
I, I, sometimes it's more than five minutes, but I'm committing myself to five minutes because I found that if I can center upon God and not me, that somehow the day looks completely different. She says sometimes that five minutes turns into an hour, but sometimes it's just five. She says, I don't want to commit to that. Dying to the self. Um, I challenge you to do that, by the way. I'll do it with you if we want to do it together. Let your first five minutes of the day, try it for just, try it for, let's do the two-week challenge, okay? Everybody, before you get worried about the day and before you start worrying about you, give God five minutes of your attention. Give God a toehold, just a door crack into your life as soon as you wake up. Will you do that? Will you do that? Will you do that with me? We're going to take the five-minute challenge, okay, for sure. Second thing, we have dying to ourself. Next one's kind of close to it, dying to sin. You remember Mufasa told Simba, he said, you can go all, through all the land, but you know what? Don't go over that shadowy part right there, please. And uh, where does Simba go? Right to the shadows, right? Right? It reminded me of what happened is that in the Garden of Eden, you know? God gives this just incredible freedom to Adam and Eve. He says, do, do any, you know, look, look at all this land. Go anywhere. That tree up in the center, you let that be the tree in the center. Ooh, ooh. I wonder what that tree in the center is all about, right? Isn't it crazy how we're given boundaries? Uh, human nature is to try to cross those boundaries. It reminds me of that. It reminds me of our own sort of uh, way that we can drift and we can allow ourselves to go and to be places. Uh, all of a sudden we find ourselves with a bunch of, bunch of hyenas, you know, and it's, it goes down from there. Um, sin is that condition that pulls me away from God's love. I mean, nobody here is going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. We're going to let each other down. We're going to let God down. But I think it's more, dying to sin is more than that. It's, it's being humble enough to know that I need God's help. Uh, Philip, that song was so awesome. You know, it really spoke to me that I need God's help. I can't do this alone. Jesus, in his prayer, we just said, said, for, deliver us from temptation, God. Help us to depend on you from staying away from the shadows, from our own shadows. I must be aware of where I'm being drawn where my weaknesses are. If I think I'm invincible and won't stumble, then I am in the most danger of anybody in this room. But if I, I think if I stay humble and stay under that and realize where my shadows are, maybe I'm not dragged in so quickly. Maybe dying to sin is finding help. And I want to put a plug in for Open Door and for a whole lot of people in this room who've probably gone through what you're going through. And the whole beauty of church is to try to pair people up to what difficulties they've gone through to realize the whole deal of church is like, I'm not alone. You're not alone. We're not alone. Because that's a lie to be in isolation. Somebody's gone through what you're going through. And to be humble enough to share and to seek and to ask God to show you who in this room and who in this community might help lead you through. The third thing is this, dying to others. Again, it's a spiritual kind of dying. I hope, I hope. 
laying aside my own personal agenda for other people. So I just give a, God a toehold to what might happen. We as a church, that's all we're doing. Everything in your bulletin is a call to die. When God calls us, God calls us to die. If there's something on there that we need your help on or that we're doing something outside these walls, it's a call for you to die to your calendar, to your resources, to your busy lifestyle, to put all that on hold so that you might be used by Christ with others in this room to do something. I hope you take that seriously when you look even at invitations to do things because we get to walk inside of the death of others, little deaths of others. There was a small, uh, there's a group uh, of us, the four of us went to visit Felicia, our principal at, um, at Woodley. And I'm blanking on Felicia's last name. Dr. We're going to call her Dr. Felicia. Um, so we're there. And y'all know that we, 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 we've done so much in partnership with Woodley and we continue to dream and think about that. And the Holy Spirit called a few more people to jump in and to see what we could do. And so we're there around the table and uh, we asked Felicia... As a principal, what is your wish list? What do you need? Pencils? Pens? Supplies? And we had just heard her talk about the fact that Woodley right now is kind of that place that magnets all the high-need communities. Um, they, they get some of the poorest pockets of students, along with over 60 students who will show up in just a couple of weeks who cannot speak one word of English. They go to Woodley. And it's hard. And I saw that burden on her shoulders as she was thinking about all these children that she loves. And, and when she spoke of them, she spoke of the fact that they've got tremendous potential. And how do we do it? But she's overwhelmed. What can, what can we do, Felicia? What can we do? What, what can we do? What do you need? She talked about a couple of physical things we need. There's a... There, she's got a... Hey, if anybody wants to do this, any small group or Sunday school class, they've got all these stickers that they need to put, maybe a thousand stickers that they want to put in their bathrooms. They're full of motivational speakers to decorate their bathroom. It'd be a great project for a Sunday school class. It would take two or three hours. But then she looked at us and she paused. And I could tell the next thing out of her mouth was going to be something really important. She said, Parkway Heights has prayed for us and has been there for us. She said, we don't need things. We need you to continue to be there for us and to pray for Woodley. She talked about almost like a death story, a principal telling a death story. You see, a few years ago, um, 2011, 2012, um, Woodley was over their heads and uh, she was a brand new principal. She comes in there and they had a D rating. They were three points from an F, she said. And uh, back then, if you had a D rating or worse or an F, it was almost like they, they, they sewed a scarlet letter on you. She had to make an official press release announcement to the community that Woodley was a D school. How's that for... That's just awful. And the way she described it, it was awful. She, she got teared up and she said, so I was there, she said, and I sat down 
and all these parents and all these administrators and everybody was there. And she said it was the most humiliating thing I ever had to do in my life. And she said there was about five minutes before I had to make the speech. All of a sudden, she said, I looked out the window and there was a trail of people walking. She says, you know who they were? I said, no, I wasn't there. Tell me. She said, they're a bunch of Parkway Heights people. And she could hardly get it out. She said, they stood behind me. Y'all stood behind me on the worst day of my life. She said, even, and she went like that, even, even the, the bow tie, bow tie. Dr. Lucas? Yeah, Dr. Lucas came. You know, I said, yeah. And uh, she said, I'm sorry, I know Dr. Lucas. But, but anyway, and you could just see that on that day there was a dying but there was a resurrection on that day as well. And we walked out of Woodley. There's a banner that's got a big old B on it. And let me tell you, it may not be an A, but Woodley has come a long, 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 long way. And Dr. Felicia says that she, Woodley would not be where they are if it weren't for you. All that started as an announcement in your bulletin. It was an invitation for us to die to our own comfort and to do something uncomfortable for the sake of God's kingdom. Die to yourself. Five minutes in the morning, first thing. Die to your sin. Recognize that me, none of us are bulletproof and we're vulnerable. And then die for others. Because dying daily to Jesus Christ offers up a life we could never dream of. For every death, there's a resurrection. And we are a lot like Simba and those Greek folks. We want to see. I want to understand. Jesus said, you want to understand what it's like to live with me, then you need to learn how to die with me on a daily basis. Jesus looked upon this world and asked the great question, what does it profit to gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Christ lost it all. Christ gained it all. His death nullified the powers of this world to make room for something new, a new you. And now He's asking you to empty your backpack and make some room for Him. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. It takes a lot of faith to learn how to die. I'm so glad God is patient, aren't you? God gives you and me a whole lifetime to learn what it means to die. And I'm glad God has given us to each other. I hope we are able to see. Let us pray. Oh God, help us to learn how to die. We know that when Christ calls us, Christ bids us to die to step away and to step back from all the things that start with I and me and step into the things that belong, that start with we and thou. Lord, may we die daily to your will and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, O God. Amen.